This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work at pcaac.org. This is Gifts and Graces. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Every year, the Administrative Committee hosts seminars that focus on various aspects of ministry from leaders around the PCA. While we had to postpone the General Assembly in 2020, our presenters were gracious enough to record their presentations. We're excited to share those seminars with you on gifts and graces. Listen now to Matthew Bowling and Paul Hahn with their seminar entitled, What is Church Renewal? Hi, everyone. We want to welcome you to this uh, seminar on church renewal, uh, co-hosted by the PCA's Mission in North America and uh, the coordinator of that agency, uh, Paul Hahn, and Flourish Coaching, a ministry of church renewal and revitalization with uh, Matt Bowling, uh, our executive director, participating in today's discussion. My name's Alan. I'll be moderating our conversation today. Um, the topic of this seminar uh, is is church renewal, and and what is it we mean by the renewal of the local church? Um, today we have Matt and Paul with us. Paul uh, was formerly the uh, Presbytery's pastor for church planting and renewal in Tennessee Valley Presbytery in Eastern Tennessee. Uh, Matt has been a local church pastor and uh, a couple years ago transitioned to leading this team here at Flourish, uh, of which Paul was one of our founding members. And both of these guys are interested in the health and vitality of local congregations, um, and, and particularly this key phrase, the renewal of local conversations. So, so the first thing just for our, our audience today, I'd like you guys to do is, could you just briefly give, um, give, give your, the two minute version of your story? How did you come to intersect this conversation about church renewal? Matt, you wanna go first for us? Sure. So I got out of seminary and went to my first church and found myself in the midst of a church renewal. And I didn't know that that was what it was going to be. I didn't know what church renewal was, but I found myself in a church that was just uh, this side of being planted, uh, but it was uh, rather unhealthy. They hadn't reached anybody with the gospel. Uh, they had not gathered together as a congregation um, because uh, they wanted to see new people come to the Lord. That just wasn't what their DNA was. And so I kind of got dragged into um, church renewal, kicking and screaming uh, somewhat accidentally. That was the first time uh, I pastored. And then I moved to Seattle about a dozen years ago uh, and self-consciously took an older congregation that was uh, in steep decline, uh, desiring to be used of the Lord in the renewal uh, of that church. And along the way, found out that my own um, church family, the PCA, um, had a lot of churches actually that needed renewal. 
and that there wasn't a ton of work being done around that. And so started, I think probably some people would say agitating for change. And so uh, one of those things that eventually ended up happening uh, along the way is that I met a lot of people, made a lot of friends, was able to help uh, sort of informally a lot of um, some presbyteries, some churches, some individual pastors. And along the way, um, managed to meet a couple of friends who were similarly um, desirous of seeing uh, healthy churches, both uh, church plants uh, and renewal churches, and uh, started Flourish uh, with Paul and with the brother who's now with the Lord, Ted Strawbridge. And uh, the Lord knit us together in a way that none of us expected um, and really brought together three guys that the Lord had formed um, who were interested in, in, church, in the renewal of local churches. And so that's kind of how I got into this. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure partnering with you in this time uh, for this seminar. Uh, really, for me, uh, renewal has always been a part of my DNA as a Christian. Very early in life, I uh, came to faith in Jesus. Really, when I look back on it, I was raised covenantally. And so I was always looking for those renewal moments for me as a Christian in our tradition. It was rededicating your life. To God, but really as I grew uh, into the Reformed tradition in seminary and beyond, how do we have those personal ongoing moments where, as Richard Lovelace says, renewal becomes a way of life for us uh, in and through the gospel by the power of the Spirit through faith and repentance ongoingly. And so uh, it's been a just sort of my whole picture of what it means to be a Christian is renewal as a way of life. And then uh, being a campus minister um, in, in Alabama at Auburn University with RUF, getting to preach at so many different kinds of churches, big and small and middle-sized, rural, city, suburban, but seeing a common thread in all of them that they really all continually needed renewal. Even churches that had been recently planted had to continue to come back. Who are we in Christ? By gospel. Um, what is our shared mission together with Jesus in this place? How do we go forward effectively uh, in that identity, in that mission, so that we're a fruitful, vibrant church? It can look a lot of different kinds of ways in a lot of different kinds of soils and spaces, but how do we, how do we flourish in that way? Um, so went on to be a church planner, Austin, Texas, and Knoxville, Tennessee, and had this privilege, as Alan said, to work for my presbytery, Tennessee Valley, uh, and they asked me to, to lead a church planting movement. And I said, I'd rather not do that if it's not in sync with a church renewal movement as well. And so we created a, a role there for pastor for the region for church planting and church renewal. And I really brought that kind of synergy and connectivity between planting and renewal for me coming to this position as uh, the coordinator of Mission North America. Great. Thank you, Paul. So. Um... So for our audience, you, you hear both Matt, Paul, and I using this phrase, church renewal, and you might be thinking to yourself, what exactly do you all mean by that? Why is it that when you guys sat down to, to craft this description, you started with the idea that, that church renewal is an ongoing process for a, a church body or a person? Yeah, because I, uh, I think that sometimes we make the mistake that it's a, it's a moment. You know, we, our church got renewed, 
right? I'm kind of like rededication, like Paul was talking about in his, his um, you know, growing up experience. Like it was something that happened, right? Instead of saying that it's something that's that's ongoing and that it's a process. It's not a it's not a moment. Um, it's not an event. It's not like the old um, Baptist revivals you'd have in the summer, right? Um, and it's not a program. I think that that's really important to say is that I think that a mistake that evangelical Christians in North America have made is that they've tried to handle renewal as though it were a program. So, you know, a very common one just to think about is, the, you know, 40 Days of Purpose that kind of ran through um, based on Rick, what Rick Warren did and helpful for a lot of churches. But it was a program. It was kind of a sticker that you put on that said this will solve our problems. And I think as we put this definition together, we were trying to say, no, this is an ongoing process. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. And it doesn't, it doesn't, um, uh, yeah, it, this is, this state that we've described is one that ought to be ongoing in its development. And in that sense, it's a process, not a program or an event or a, it doesn't have a, a beginning and an end point. It just keeps going. This is what you're shooting for, maybe, is a way to put it. Now, Paul, as you were as you were kind of giving your opening comment, you talked about your experience and and being influenced by uh, renewal as a way of life by Loveless and others. Paul, do you see a connection between the personal renewal that a Christian needs needs and the group renewal that a church needs? Yeah, that's great, Alan. I think for sure that's there. Um, I think that. Um, what you have going on is that it's it's dialogical so each can feed off the other so um if something is happening in me that uh i am deeply in a new way brought back to jesus through his gospel i understand my identity more in jesus afresh uh i i have this amazing sense of forgiveness in life in jesus in fresh ways and powerful ways I'm opening myself up to the spirit and begging him to grow his fruit in me and help me understand the gifts he's given me for service in the kingdom. And I understand that my life is really about this shared identity in mission, walking with the king in his mission to go out and extend his reign and blessings and love into the world, his justice and mercy through the gospel, uh, preached and lived. Yeah. I get that sense. Uh, then that is going to impact my church. That is going to impact other Christians around me in my family, uh, in my community, in my congregation. It can also be used to to bring some to Christ. It can be an aroma of life to those the Lord is beginning to save, and it can be an aroma of death to those that are still in a place of death. It can be off-putting to some. Uh, But similarly, if my church is sort of catching a fresh wind, if, if God is doing something beautifully uh, in the pastor or the leaders or the people around me in the church, and that's happening around me, well, well, the gospel is such a communal experience, right? We, we catch that and we see they have something that I don't. I'll never forget a major early period of renewal in my life was in college, and, and I had been raised very traditionally uh, in an evangelical uh, Southern Baptist church, and very set in my ways already at like 20 years old about what I thought church should look and feel like and uh, very, very traditional in that and and very sort of uh, not experiencing any kind of freshness in that. And I got around a group of Christians in college um, who were brand new, who had been recently converted and who were talking about, you know, uh, praying 
and having times of prayer together at night and inviting me to that, inviting me into a day of fasting with them to pray for God to renew them in the campus. And I'm, I, I remember literally like saying, what? Fasting? You know, I'm Baptist. I don't do that. <laughs> I could just as easily have said I'm PCA. I don't do that, right? right. Uh, but, you know, just when you get around this and you see it and you feel it, you go, either again, it's off-putting to us and we back away from the Lord or we're drawn in and say, Lord, I, I need you to break in. I need you to move in me afresh. I, I want this newness of life. I, I, I'll just say this in closing in this segment is, is that I was touched very significantly. It's been well over 20 years ago now by, by an or, article that Michael Horton wrote in, in Modern Reformation years ago. It might be close to 25 years ago now. Uh, and, and he said in that article, there ought to be these fresh experiences of Jesus through the gospel that happen for us every so often that we feel like as we're entering into them, I've just become a Christian. And I was very surprised to hear somebody like Michael Horton saying that, who is so, so, so much in so many ways a structuralist and completely a means of grace kind of person and, and a traditionalist in many ways, talking about that kind of Jonathan Edwards-like dynamic of the need for this ongoing depth of soulish experience with God. And it moved me powerfully. And, uh, and you know, in getting to know Michael better across the years, I think that's very much a part of who he is and certainly a part of who I am. And so that's, that's a long-winded way of saying that. Yeah, no, that's great. So if the first part of this description is about individuals and churches kind of renewing their sense of their own need and experience of the gospel, the, the second part is really about understanding our identity as an ambassador, anticipating the kingdom, the privilege it is to be an ambassador or a son and daughter of the king. Yeah, Alan, let me try to tease that out just a little bit. I think in general with that description, when we were putting that together, trying to say that um, I come back to the gospel with my own sense of depth of sin and my own fresh need of grace. And I experience like a prodigal coming back, the welcome and love of my father uh, or an elder brother who's been kind of standing close by, but gets drawn in by the father's love afresh. Um, and so that, that, that leads to, I think, there's not a disjunction between that freshness of forgiveness and love and life in Jesus with that identity in Jesus for mission. And so, and so I think what happens when a church is coming back to Jesus, it, it may start more with mission first and lead more to that, you know, gospel of faith and repentance and a sense of forgiveness and love and freedom from change, or vice versa. It may start in the personal renewal and, and lead to, the, to thinking about mission. But I think those were always going to be integrated. Um, and so when you, when you start to think about mission, it's really important that you think about bringing the gospel to that place where God has put you and incarnating that gospel in word and in deed in the life of the church in, in, in fresh and creative ways um, right where you are. Examples of that currently, there, there are a growing number of those. I, I have seen that um, beautifully. For instance, I would just say, um, a couple of places in my own presbytery. I'm still a member of Tennessee Valley Presbytery. I think really the story of, say, 
New City, uh, Glenwood, then planting New City Eastlake is a great example of that. The New City Glenwood plant, a historic plant led by Randy Neighbors and now led by Kevin Smith. This is a vibrant hub for a whole network of churches. It was planted uh, by, uh, by people coming out of a church right across the street from Covenant College, who I could talk about later. Uh, that church doesn't exist anymore in that form, but has put many seeds in the ground, including many years ago, the planting of New City Glenwood. But New City Glenwood, as she went on with her journey as she was 20 plus years, 30 plus years in, she said, there's a whole pocket of people we're touching, but we're not really touching. And we think what they really need more than anything to start with is medical care in the Eastwood community. The Eastwood community is one of the poorest parts of Chattanooga and they needed, so a clinic was opened up, uh, led by Jim and Michelle Pickett. Michelle is a medical doctor. And then out of that work and, and sort of alongside that work, this new congregation that's, that's a site first of Glenwood at Eastwood is planted, uh, but then it grows into sort of its own identity and is recently particularized as its own congregation. And, and uh, it's just beautiful to see um, that, that there's a little different expression there. At Glenwood, you have this strong sense that racial reconciliation is a primary application of the gospel there between blacks and whites. Uh, in Eastwood, there's a heavy, heavy presence of Latinos and Hispanics there. So it really becomes a broader expression of the renewal of, of racial reconciliation of all peoples, black, white, Latino, other even there. And so that's a fresh expression uh, in a fresh place um, right there. I would think of that. And then I think about um, something I mentioned on your podcast, you know, um, a church in a small town in our Presbytery, um, Trinity Presbyterian Church, um, you know, in Cleveland, Tennessee. And just um, their sense that they were at a spot of brokenness. They cried out to the Lord. They came back to the Lord saying, um, we need renewal personally. We need renewal as a church. Lord, we don't know what to do. Uh, God led them. In, in that space, in a pastoral transition, they were led to call Philip Keynes many years ago. The Presbytery took a bold step to treat them financially like a new church plant and gave church planting money over three years to a church renewal project, which was a huge, huge step for our Presbytery. Because like old school M&A, you just don't do that, right? You spend all your right. money on new stuff. And um, and it was just beautiful to see how God has worked. And now they have completely had a sense. How are we for Cleveland here in this spot? But they sense that God wants them potentially to plant four other churches in their region. They have a sense of sort of the four corners of their region and different spaces and different kinds of people and groups of people and demographics in those places. And they brought on an associate pastor who may stay with them at the center. Um, or who may help them go and be one of those planters in the future. And so those are two beautiful expressions of that. Matt, if I could actually ask you to kind of work from the backside into this idea of, of church renewal uh, being about a, a local congregation, kind of catching fresh sense of their privilege as an ambassador of the, the kingdom and a, an appreciation for the place uh, where they are, that God's bringing his kingdom. L let me ask it this way, Matt. In your experience, what does it look like when a congregation loses that sense of privilege as an ambassador? What, what does it look like when they lose that sense of place 
and what does it look like when they begin to regain it? If you could kind of talk from your uh, experience working with churches, Matt. Sure. Yeah, I love the word privilege. Um, you know, I think we have to be careful uh, in, in two white guys talking in a week like this and, and using the word privilege. But I think that there's a sense in which we can use privilege that says, I really, um, more like um, Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, you know, God has deigned to use me. Um, and that there's a real sense of, you know, amazement um, that God would do this and that God would, would bring me into his family, that he would place me into this um, church family, and that he would place us in this community um, to be uh, his emissary here. And so a real sense of amazement that this is what God would do. That's the way that I think about that word um, privilege. When a, congrega- a local congregation loses a sense of place, um, the way that I'd like to come to put it is they don't care about their zip code anymore. Um, our zip code here in Seattle and the church that I came to in Seattle had really lost this. It was very much more a a regional church. People drove in. They didn't actually live in this community when we first started ministering here. Um, And so it was very disconnected from the community. They had stopped caring. They didn't know what the needs were. They had not morphed their ministry um, like missionaries um, to the way the community had changed. Um, neither ethnically nor demographically or, or anything else. Um, and so I think that one of the things that happens if you lose this is you get disconnected from the community. You're, you're not vital. The community wouldn't miss you uh, if you left, uh, if you were there, not there anymore. Uh, when the goal is that a church would have an impact within a zip code. Um, if I can give one example from the community where I live, the zip code where I live, um, the very diverse zip code, um, but our second largest demographic um, is uh, not not a surprise. Big urban area. I live in Seattle. Um, is uh, Hispanic, with the largest majority of that being um, people from uh, Mexico. Uh, but when you dig into that uh, particular slice of demographic, you find out that those are a lot of single parent households. And so our church began to think about, wow. That's one of the biggest needs that we have in our community. How could our church be tuned in such a way where at least second generation Hispanics, English speaking Hispanics could find a place here that they could be ministered to. Now that's trying to take place very seriously. Um, And so that takes work. It takes really regaining uh, the sense that uh, we're a missionary here um, and that uh, we're going to bend towards the people who still need Jesus. So think about the Apostle Paul. To win Greeks, I become like Greeks. To win Jews, I become like Jews. And that's that, that missionary impulse of we tune our ministry towards the people that need to be reached with the gospel. Um, because they live in this place. What are the needs of this place? We partnered, our church here in Seattle partnered with a family um, shelter for, for homeless families which is a very, very different demographic, very different kind of ministry than, um, say, a homeless shelter for single men. Um, But we partnered with them. We helped them rehab a little public health building to get um, it in the place where uh, these families could stay there. And so we, we worked very hard to get reconnected. We had people who moved back into the neighborhood. They bought houses in the zip code because they wanted to be committed to this place, to these schools to this neighborhood. That's regaining a sense of place. 
This podcast is brought to you by Mission to North America. MA exists to strengthen the church in the gospel of Jesus Christ to serve, grow, and multiply. MA promotes prayer, evangelism, mobilization of the laity, gospel diversity, and kingdom engagement in our pursuit of building up the church across the U.S. and Canada. Visit our new website at www.pcamna.org to sign up to receive information on MA news and events. So uh, if, the, if the first piece of this description is really people as individuals and as a body recovering their appreciation and awareness of the gospel for themselves, and if the second piece of this description, we could kind of grab some of the phrases and kind of group them into uh, a renewed sense of ambassadorship, that we are a missionary unit, that we are called to a specific place. If that's kind of the, the second piece of this description, then the, the third piece of this description, we can kind of grab a couple of the phrases and it begins to move um, to, you know, out of our gospel identity. And because we are ambassadors, this, this kind of third grouping of, of phrases really has to do with, with discipleship and, and, and growth in, in our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that church renewal isn't just a program to save your struggling congregation but really means a holistically new way of thinking about discipleship, prayer, uh, engagement with the word, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I think that the simplest way to put it is, for me at least, is if the gospel is working for me, like if I'm experiencing transformation right now under the gospel, I'm, I'm grabbed by the love of God. I sense my dependency upon the Lord. Uh, that I want to bear fruit because Jesus called me to that, right? Um, But also that apart from him, I can do nothing. Um, That if I have that real sense of being grown under the gospel, um, then what that does is one, it makes it makes me more prayerful because I realize I have this privilege to speak to God and, and to relate to him and hear from him in his word by his spirit. Um, and so I want to pray and I and I have to pray because I've got no hope otherwise, right? So holistic discipleship means my whole life is being changed under the gospel, right? It's the whole way that Apostle Paul sees a Christian life is that it, you know, the gospel sits at the hub. And so I have this sense in which I am because I'm walking towards God, a mutual friend of Paul and I says that that's how he knows if somebody is growing in the Lord. So they're walking towards Jesus, right? Then I want to know Jesus better. I, I'm, I'm okay knowing myself better, even though that may be ugly. Um, and I have a curiosity about this world that's around me, that I have, I have this privilege to walk as God's ambassador where I am. I want to worship him um, because I have a sense that he's He's, he's awesome, right? I have a sense of awe about him. And so because of that, I want to go to his word. I want to learn more about him. I, I want to sense more of his glory and his majesty. And so what that all yields when I'm really experiencing transformation of the gospel, I, I want to share it with people. I want to tell people. I want to tell people about this Jesus that I'm currently experiencing and enjoying. I want to give them away. Because I enjoy him, and I knew that I know that your life would be better if you had Jesus, like like I have Jesus, and so it fits together as a whole. 
that if, again, to go back to the summary, if the gospel's working for me, I want to give it away to people because it's awesome, because God's awesome, and he's included me in his family, and uh, that's an enjoyable thing. Paul, do you think, and I don't want to be unfair to, to anyone, but do you think, Paul, that you could contrast for us what discipleship looks like in a church that is experiencing Holy Spirit gospel renewal and a church that is is not flourishing in that way? Um, could, could you help us kind of see the difference between the kind of discipleship we're talking about here and what what most of us might experience normally as discipleship. Does that question make sense? Well, I, I think I hear your question. Yes, Ellen, thank you. I don't, I don't know that I'm wise enough or um, I'm certainly not wise enough. Um, and I would want to hesitate to sort of checklist or cookbook what makes a church that's vibrant versus one that isn't. Cause you can, you can even sort of, check all the boxes and you turn the process of renewal into its own kind of new idol and grind the life out of it. So I, I, I think what I was thinking about as Matt was talking, I loved his comments. And as I hear your question is, I, I would sort of answer it this way, that I think what renewal is, one way to think about renewal in a simple way is that it is, um, it is a fuller view of sanctification that sanctification really is driven by the grace of God. We participate in it. It's not monergistic. It is synergistic, but it's driven and fueled by the grace of God as the spirit is moving. And when sanctification is happening, there's deep faith and repentance happening in us in fresh ways. And there's a new identity. And there is this wonderful sense that I live on mission in everything that I'm doing, and that all of life is holistic. I don't sort of dip in and out. It's not a dualistic kind of life. There's my spiritual life, and there is the rest of my life. That, um, And so I think those can be some markers. Um, sanctification, for instance, that that um, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 kind of sanctification picture, that I'm changed from glory to glory as I'm seeing the face of Christ. And my face glows in a way that doesn't need a veil put over it like Moses is because uh, I'm just seeing more of the beauty of Jesus. I'm coming into his presence. So it really does, in some ways, always start with worship. It always starts with coming back to the means of grace of personal worship and prayer and corporate worship and prayer and hearing the word of God proclaimed to us and seeing Jesus there, seeing him and experiencing him in the sacraments as he's really and spiritually present there. And as that's happening, then that faith and repentance is at work. I'm not having to sort of gen up my faith and repentance. It's, it's flowing out of my worship. Um, and so the programs maybe, if there are programs, and there may well be in very fruitful churches and probably are, um, but um, they sort of are not mechanistic. They're not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, there's not a sense that you got to get everybody crammed into one program, but we're trying to find a way for worship to move us into ongoing discipleship. And that discipleship includes mission. So, so I guess I would say in churches where we're struggling to find renewal more often, a commonality is there's a 
there is a distinct hard line between worship and discipleship and another hard line between discipleship and mission. And I think when, when churches are flourishing more, those there, there are not many lines there at all. They're very semi-permeable and they're all kind of integrated. Our worship is leading us to discipleship and our discipleship is leading us to mission and our mission is pressing us back to worship. And, and, and that's all kind of circling around one another in a Trinitarian kind of way in, in sort of what the church fathers talked about, about the, the divine dance of the persons of the Trinity. We sort of are having that dance and living out the life of the gospel. So well, I was just going to say, I think that, that one, one way to, to put it um, that, that I've seen, and actually I've made this mistake too in church is that we can think of discipleship as, um, as teaching people things right? And where, where our tradition is very high in teaching, and we ought to teach Bible knowledge and um, have solid sermons and, that are rooted in the biblical text, and I'm, I'm all over that. But I think that we can make the mistake that um, because we have transferred information, that equals that we're discipling people. And really, a different way to think about that is that we're apprenticing people to Jesus. That's really what we're doing. We're teaching them to live out the life of Jesus. Um, and that that point of knowing the Bible is that you know God the self, your need for Christ, and you plead with the Holy Spirit that you can live out the life of Jesus for the sake of other people. So that when we use that phrase in this definition of holistic discipleship, we're meaning a person that's being changed um, throughout you know, all aspects of who they are. They're growing in their emotional maturity, right? Um, and so that they're genuinely changed people. So discipleship that looks towards transformation not just uh, maybe information, which I think is a mistake that we've made in the past. Is that fair, you think, Paul? I think that's very good, Matt. It's another important distinction there. So, so Paul, if I can ask you to, um, if we can pull up out of this description and, and think broadly about the PCA, what would you hope to see happening in our congregations and in our church from your vantage point as someone who's kind of looking at the, the whole field? Uh, can you dream for a minute for us? Could you cast a vision yeah. for us? Thank you for that, Alan. I think it would, it would again, start with in our preaching, in our teaching, in our worship, um, in, our, in our living and mission together, that each individual Christian who's a member of our churches is getting a sense, each family, as it's raising up their children in the way of the Lord and it's Husbands are learning to love their wives and wives, their husbands and children, their parents and parents, their children, um, that there's this sense that we're desperately in need of the renewing power of Jesus all the time, all along the way. I think we've made great strides in that. And there's not any stigma attached to that, right? I need the gospel more today than I did yesterday. I'm far more sinful than I ever imagined, far more love than I ever dreamed. So many of us know those phrases and, and um, you know, and, and they've kind of woven themselves into the fabric of, of our thinking about what it means to be a Christian as a member of a PCA church in so many ways. Experiencing Jesus through the means of grace is not, a, it is a duty, but it's this great privilege of Jesus meeting us and renewing us with his love and changing us. I think we're doing so much better at that. I don't know that if we've removed yet the stigma that a church needs to be continually removed. So many of us as pastors or elders, when we get in broader contexts, 
particularly when we're around those churches that we think are doing better than we are. Um, we feel instead of a desire to share our burdens and mutually pray with and for each other, we feel ashamed. We feel the sense that we have failed badly. Um, we feel the sense that there is something deeply wrong with me, with us. And, and um, I think what the Lord would have us do is put away that stigma and that shame and remember that renewal is a way of life for every church, in every place, in every setting. You know, pick your favorite church, whatever it is, Briarwood, Redeemer, New York, uh, you, you know, um, you know, Christ Pres Nashville, you, you, you pick your favorite church. Um, it, it needs renewal. Not because there's anything specifically wrong. I'm pointing out about any of those churches. They're all wonderful churches led by wonderful leaders with wonderful uh, teams of elders and staff. Uh, but, but they, like all of us in our congregations, need continual renewal. So my dream would be that we could take the stigma away from renewal and that every pastor, every elder would be coming to Presbytery, would be coming to those more organic connections between churches in a region or a city and saying, hey, here's how we're crying out to Jesus for renewal in our place. Have you experienced some of that? Have you gone deeper with the Lord in that way? Could you help us? Could you help us think about that? I know that you're a different kind of church in philosophy of ministry and feel and sort of ethos and aroma than we are. We all share the same confession of faith and standards and commitments to scripture, but we sort of do church differently. Uh, but could you help us? Could you cross-pollinate with us and, and help us think about this? So for me, the dream is not just that we'd have this perfectly robust set of churches monolithically across the board. I don't think that's going to happen until Jesus comes back and we're all one church where he's lone king and head and we're all just worshiping him and there's no sun because he's our light. And all of us preachers will be out of a job, I think, because we'll be directly connected to him uh, with all of us as his people. But uh, I just think if my dream would just be that we took the stigma away and we were all really helping each other find fresh experiences with Jesus, fresh identity, fresh sense of incarnating mission in our place without a sense that we had to have shame on the one hand or, or fear for others might, what they might think of us in our place and our approach to church. It's there would be this mutual sense of help and encouragement in the gospel. So that's beautiful, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I really appreciate that. Matt, I'm going to ask you to kind of close us out with a thought here. One of the things I, I love about you, Matt, uh, is that you are often good at the, we started with the word process, that, that renewal is an ongoing process. And I know one thing that folks appreciate about you is that you're good at helping folks think through the, the steps of the process. If, if I'm listening to this on, on a podcast or if I'm participating in this as a, as a seminar through the PCA, and I'm thinking, I'm catching, I'm catching what, I'm catching whatever they're uh, contagious with. That's maybe a little too on the nose as a metaphor for this moment, but, but I'm catching it. 
uh, and I want to do something different tomorrow. I want to go back and talk to my, the other elders in my church. I want to go talk to my pastor. I'm a pastor. I want to talk to my lay leaders. Matt, what, is, what are a couple first steps in the process of renewing a church that someone listening in, listening in today could take? Yeah, I think the first step is to pray. Is <laughs> to pray that the Spirit would work in me and work in my leaders, work in my congregation, begin to work in my community. That I think that the first move is, is always back um, to this sort of radical dependence um, upon the Lord. Um, and then I think it, it's to begin to dream. It's to say, what would look different here? What's going to look different here when the kingdom comes fully to this place? How would these people be different? How would our community be different? Uh, how, how is it that Jesus could come and make a difference here uh, in and through us? Because I think that that's um, uh, one of the first significant books that was, that was written um, about church renewal in the, in the modern age here is a book called To Dream Again. And I think that that's what a church has lost, is it's lost a dream of how God could use them um, in their community for his glory. And so if we could begin to dream again um, about our community and the people that are there and them coming to know Christ and, and how their lives could be different and how our church could make an impact here, I think that that's at least the first couple of places to go. I think maybe a third place to go um, would hook back earlier in our conversation, which is, am I really enjoying Jesus? Am I enjoying being his child? Is that what radiates out of my ministry? Um, I like to say that you can't give away what you don't have, but whatever you have, you're giving away. And so if what you're giving away is the love of Jesus and an amazement at grace, people are going to grab that. They're going to gravitate towards that. They're going to appreciate it. They're going to look at it and enjoy it. And they're going to begin to get some of it themselves. And that's going to push them outward. Because when we know we've been loved by God, then we want to love him back. And we want to love people because we want to follow him. So that's a, a few places at least that I would start. Great. Thank you so much, Matt. In a moment here, I'm going to ask Paul to close our time together in prayer. But before I do that, um, for folks who are listening and watching today, uh, we want to encourage you to continue to engage further. MA has some great resources, particularly during this season of social distancing. There uh, weekly webinars that are going up on, uh, they're, they're live on Thursdays at two o'clock uh, Eastern time. That, that's a great way to engage with uh, some of the work Paul and his team at MA are are doing around um, around church planting and church health and and gospel renewal in our churches. If you'd like to engage further with Flourish, you can find us online at flourishcoaching.org. And you can find our podcast, the Church Renewal Podcast. That's churchrenewalpodcast.org or in whatever uh, podcasting app that you happen to use at the moment. Um, you know, one of the reasons I love these conversations about the renewal of local churches is that there's really only one fully sufficient reason that this day dawned. And, and that is that Jesus is yet gathering his people to himself. And the ordinary way he does that is through the church. And so... I love uh, these conversations where we get to dig in and explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. And so with that, Paul, could I ask you to close our time together here in prayer? Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, all of you, for being with us. Heavenly Father, this is uh, a season where the church has often 
a time of year where the church is often focused on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for coming from the Father and coming and living and dying and rising again for us and ascending on high and together with the Father, sending forth the Spirit to us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us now as we are virtually around these conversations. Come, Holy Spirit, renew us. Renew and shape and order our lives the way you did at creation when you turned chaos into the beautiful order of the seven days of creation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came at Pentecost to renew lives, to give men and women and children, um, old and young, the grace to believe and repent and find life in Jesus and be baptized in him. Thank you that you're there in us to make us like Jesus, to renew us in his image. Thank you that you give us character traits that are like Jesus, and you give us gifts to serve in mission together with Jesus as his sons and daughters who are also his ambassadors and servants. Thank you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come now and renew our lives afresh, bringing us back to Jesus? Would you renew your church, this part of it in the PCA, particularly, Lord, renew us, bring us corporately back to who you are. May we see our corporate sins and see forgiveness in life corporately in beautiful ways. May we corporately know our identity as the bride of Christ, as the outpost of Christ's mission, as the body of Christ to serve and embody your ongoing works, Jesus. Make us fruitful, make us vibrant, make us creative and engaging our places uniquely where we have you have us planted in your church so that your kingdom may come, your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven until you come again so that many, many who are outside of life in you might come into that beautiful life, Lord. Please, we ask this all in your name and for your name's sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining us. And thank you guys. Thank you all. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They're free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.